I want to welcome you to day four of our look through 1 Timothy chapter 5. Paul has been talking about relationships, relationships in the body of Christ, the church. He's been talking to us about how the church relates to widows. And now in these verses for today, he's going to talk about how the church should relate to elders, specifically the elders who lead the church. You might remember back in chapter 3, we looked at how elders should relate to Christ in the church. Here in these verses, beginning in verse 17, there are some practical issues that are dealt with on how the church should relate to an elder, and that's a relationship. Chapter 3, how elders should relate to the church, that's that half of the relationship. Here we have the other half of the relationship in verses 17 to 20. So let me read those verses for you. 1 Timothy 5, verses 17 to 20. The elders who direct the affairs of the church well are worthy of double honor, especially those whose work is preaching and teaching. For the scripture says, do not muzzle the ox while he is treading out the grain, and the worker deserves his wages. Do not entertain an accusation against an elder unless it's brought by two or three witnesses. Those who sin are to be rebuked publicly so that others may take warning. That's verses 17 to 20. These verses are really These relationships that we're talking about in these verses in this chapter are really about how you and I live a motivated life of faith. If you and I are to live a motivated life of faith, we have to realize there are some things that Satan can use to steal that motivation. I love how down-to-earth and daily life God's Word really is. And there are four principles in these verses that we just read that just talk about the motivation for faith and how it can be stolen from us in the way that we relate to each other in a church particularly in these verses in the way that we relate to leaders within the church. Four principles. First principle is it's good to honor those who are doing the work of God. If you don't honor those who are doing the work of God, it's going to steal faith motivation from your life and from their life and from other people's lives. Now, it's interesting. In verse 17, it says they're worthy of double honor. Someone on our research team asked, I mean, isn't honor honor? Why do you have to double it in order for it to be honor? Uh, That's a very interesting question, and it's a very wise question because it really relates to what Paul is going to say in verse 18. The reason he says double honor is he's talking here not only about respect, he's also talking about financial reward, financially making sure that the needs of an elder are being taken care of. That's why first truth is it's good to honor those who are doing the work of God. Second truth is don't muzzle the ox. Now, that is a motivation principle. Don't muzzle the ox. You you get the picture if you ever grew up on a farm. On a farm, the ox is tied to a pole and walks around and around in a circle treading the grain. And if you were very stingy as a farmer, you could put a muzzle on the ox and it wouldn't be able to eat while it was working, treading out the grain, walking on the grain so that it would pop and come out. But if you took the muzzle off, then when the ox got hungry, it could eat and it could keep working. It could eat a little more and keep working. This is a principle from God's word. This comes from the Old Testament. Don't muzzle the ox. But Paul is writing here and saying, this isn't just about oxen. This is about people. Muzzling the ox steals the motivation from the ox. And muzzling a servant, not making sure that a servant's needs are met, basic needs are met, that steals their motivation also. It steals their motivation not only from the one serving, but also the one who is being stingy about their service. Now, Paul is not saying here, that elders should be made wealthy. We read back in chapter 3 that elders shouldn't be concerned about having to become wealthy or overly concerned about money. He's just saying that they shouldn't be worrying about where their next meal is going to come from. This answers the question, is it okay for a church to pay for the work that its pastors do? 
These verses say not only is it okay, it is commanded. It is the right thing to do because it helps them to be motivated in the work they're doing for Christ, and it helps the body of Christ to be motivated in the fact that they're helping them to do the work of Christ. Don't muzzle the ox. That's part of the motivated life of faith in the way you relate to leaders. Third truth about the motivated life of faith is the truth about accusations. And Paul says, let there be accusations by only two or three witnesses. Why? Because Satan would love to use a spirit of judgmentalism to take our eyes off of the life of faith that Christ wants us to live and get our eyes on accusing one another. So Paul says, don't even listen unless there's two or three witnesses. Now, I know some people say, oh, there's just one witness and where there's smoke, there's fire, and that's true. But the fire might be that the accuser has a need for attention. The fire might be that the accuser is resisting God's word in their life, so they're angry at the pastor, so they're accusing them of something. You don't know what it is with one person. You just don't know. So Paul says, let there be two or three witnesses. And if there's not, don't even entertain an accusation. Don't get caught up in a spirit of judgmentalism. It'll steal the faith right out of your life. However, there's a fourth principle here, and that is publicly rebuke a leader's sins. If there are two or three witnesses, and if the sin is clear, then that sin is to be rebuked publicly. Public sins deserve public rebuke in a public figure's life. And a leader, an elder of a church, is a public figure. And the truth is, if a leader is sinning in a way that other people know about in the church, this isn't talking about a word that I say maybe as a leader to somebody and it's a personal relationship and I have an angry exchange and now I have to go confess it before others. This is talking about sins that are known by the church, publicly known, publicly seen. It's talking about a leader who's cheated somebody in a business. And everybody knows about it, but nobody talks about it. This is about a leader who has some kind of sexual immorality in his life. And everybody knows about it, but nobody talks about it. Two or three witnesses come forward and it's known. It's to be publicly talked about in a leader's life. This isn't talking about those who are not leaders. This is talking about those who are leaders. Why? To embarrass the leader? Obviously not. To protect the church, that's why. If I, as a leader, if I, as a pastor, involve my life in some sin, and one of the members of my church sees me involved in that sin, as they see that, they're going to have a thought in their mind, well, maybe that's okay. Maybe that's not so bad. I mean, they're a pastor, and they're doing that. So someone needs to say publicly, no, that is wrong. And when that person was doing that, going down the wrong road in that financial dealing, that is a wrong thing to do. A public rebuke so that others don't get caught up in the same sin because of the visibility, the influence of that leader. So four principles. It's good to honor those who are doing the work of God. Don't muzzle the ox. Accusations only by two or three witnesses. Public rebuke of leaders' sins. And these four principles all have one one goal behind them, and that is to make sure that our life of faith stays vibrant and stays growing. Now, before we leave these verses, there's one final point I have to make. One final point about verse 18, because it's an amazing verse in regard to the inspiration of God's word. In verse 18, Paul recognizes the equal inspiration of the Old Testament and the New Testament in a single verse. Now, you may not see that right away. It's something you have to take a little bit of study of the Word to do. But as you study through God's Word, you see, wow, this is amazing. In verse 18, Paul says, he begins by saying, for the Scripture says, and then he quotes from Deuteronomy 25, 4 in the Old Testament, don't muzzle the ox. But then he also quotes, and he says, and then he quotes from Luke 10, 7 in the New Testament. 
So Paul says the scripture says, he quotes from the Old Testament, he quotes from the New Testament, calling them both scripture. Here's the amazing thing. Students of Bible history believe that Luke's gospel was written about 60 AD, and that the book of 1 Timothy was written about 63 AD. That means that the gospel of Luke was being recognized as holy scripture, not just a story about Jesus, but God's word to us within only three years of its writing. So as you and I read in this book, 1 Timothy, about the motivated life of faith, the way that we relate to each other in the church and how that motivates our life of faith, we are reading the inspired word of God. This isn't just the advice of the apostle Paul to Timothy. This is God's spirit working in Paul's life to motivate words, to inspire words that are perfect for you and I to understand how to live in relationship to each other. Let's just tell God how grateful we are. Father, we are. We are grateful for your word. Thank you for the way that it changes our direction. It changes our hearts. It changes our lives. Forgive us for those times when we take your word for granted or we treat your word as something just common or just human. It's your word. It's given as a gift to us. And as we read it, we see the wisdom in it. We see your heart in it. We see see the life that you want to give to us in it. And Lord, I pray that in these practical words of advice about how we relate to each other in these verses, that you would help us to live those out, to see how maybe we've been accusing someone when we shouldn't have, or see how we've been muzzling someone when we shouldn't have, or see how maybe there's a place in our lives where we have treated someone with, instead of respect, with a sense of judgmentalism. Lord, help us to treat each other Help us to treat each other by the power of your spirit with the love of Christ in the body of Christ. We ask this, we ask for this strength in your name, Jesus, amen. Well, tomorrow, Paul's gonna continue to talk about the importance of the way that you and I relate to each other as believers in the body. 